0: What's up, guys? Uh, this is Cinematic Rabbit Trails. Yes, episode two. Woohoo! So. Hey, right. Oh. Episode two. Woohoo!
1: <laughs>
2: it's late at night. He, Sorry, si. it's past eleven. He, he's it's reenacting great. a lot of the ape sounds that we
1: heard. Um, <laughs> anyway. Well, that's a good segue. Uh, anyway,
2: <laughs> that, well, that was for those of you who know that was eight four segways. So <laughs>
0: this is too much fun, okay. and it's too late at night. Okay. All right. so. Well, all right. For you guys' information. We just finished watching uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh,
1: I had seen it before. Both of you guys had, right? Neither of us, yeah. No. Okay. Cool. So, uh, so we well, yeah. you know about the Planet of the Apes series, though. Right. familiar okay. with that.
0: And Adam, you simple. had seen the first one, uh, Rise of Planet of the Apes. That's
2: right. Mm-hmm. But you yeah,
0: hadn't seen the second one. Correct. And David, you haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen any of them, so
2: okay. it was actually quite interesting jumping in to a th- uh, third movie yeah. in a yeah. trilogy like this, but yet still kind of know what's going on so they did a good
0: job of that yeah luckily they they give a decent synopsis and reference back for you to get the whole story for each movie really without Mm -hmm. having to dive too much more into it all right so one of you guys what's initial review thoughts
2: give a brief summary of the film so okay okay just FYI there might be spoiler alert so (laughs) you've you have been warned
0: yeah So, anyway, uh, brief synopsis. We jump in on Caesar. He's the main ape who... He was the first one affected by this virus that turned all the apes smart. Um, He has now... Long, long, long story here. Uh, I'm hoping some of you guys have seen some of the ones before this, but it's okay. Um, Basically, um, accident happened, kind of a lab thing, that uh, virus kind of got out that that affected and was experimented on and affected all these apes. Uh, Caesar was the first... actually. Caesar's mom was the first one, and she gave birth to Caesar while with the virus, and that created the whole thing. So it was kind of a, it was a weird development there, but started the whole thing. Um, Caesar becomes uh, intelligent and smart. Uh, he gets adopted. Uh, this is more in the first movie. Second, Skip ahead. Uh, second movie, we have apes who have now created something of a civilization. They're starting to. Um, but... Uh, Caesar is, is the leader because he's the smartest, but there's another one, Koba. Who he's uh, they conflict because Caesar wants to. They're getting they're getting hated on by the humans, obviously. And uh, anyway, Koba uh, and Caesar fight because and then Koba starts a war that Caesar didn't want with the humans. Koba attacks the humans and Caesar didn't want that to happen. So coming into the third movie now, war has been going on for a while uh and it's all Coba's fault Caesar is really just fighting to keep the apes alive he doesn't want to fight the humans um he uh he has a wife um a fairly older son at this point very mature grown up son and he has a new son a baby and uh anyway so this movie starts out they uh there's a battle scene they get uh the uh Eventually, the humans actually find out where the apes' hideout is, and Caesar's wife and oldest son are killed. Um, they travel off. The rest of the apes, minus Caesar and some of the other leaders, um, the main apes travel off to go find this place, this paradise that they've, that they've supposedly found. Caesar goes on this revenge thing to kill the colonel who actually killed his wife and son. Uh, we'll skip ahead. Uh, turns out all the apes were captured. Caesar gets captured, tortured. A lot of stuff goes on there. Uh, eventually, the humans start fighting each other, and while the uh, apes make a great escape, um, after all the humans have finally died, there's a uh, uh, like an avalanche and everything. There's a battle and everything, and the, the apes survive, eventually go off to find this paradise they originally were told of. And Caesar had had been wounded beforehand by the time they get there. and or once they get there, he's kind of like lets himself go and he passes away at the end of the movie. But all the apes are safe. so happy ending, although melancholy. So there's a lot more details throughout the movie that's that's brief as I can get because there's a lot of detail to the story, um, which is very ironic for a movie that actually had very little talking in it. It's true. Yeah. So well, on that note,
2: no pun intended. Um, the use of music, because um, this is a pretty action, you know, this is a pretty, how would you describe this film? A very action... Action thriller? drama. Yeah. yeah, for an action thriller drama, this had a lot of, um, as you know, Adam, you would say, John william sort of music. Yes. And, um, anyway, how did you guys, how did that hit you?
0: Oh, I mean, everything about it was, for me, like, Matt Reeves, like, if, if you happen to be listening to <laughs> the off chance he listens, you were the next Steven Spielberg. Uh, like this movie was, it felt very Steven Spielbergish, and the music, of course, uh, by what was it, uh, Michael Michael Giacchino? Yeah. Giacchino, yes, a very, very John Williams. It was a great fit. Uh, loved it, absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, I love the playful tone of it too. Yeah, it didn't grow. They comment. they carry it carried the drama at times, but also the way in which it moved into, not necessarily the ape like sounds, but just just kind of that more lighter fair to it yeah and it was odd because
0: there would be like even parts where there's a lot of shooting and action explosions going on it goes to that very simple piano very melancholy part of the soundtrack the main the main thing for the movie really was that um yeah hear that all over the place throughout it. and that gives just like that speaks into it as opposed to just creating the same mood that we expect mm. like we have so many action movies today that are just uh the soundtrack is just accenting that moment rather than speaking into it it's mm. changing how we see the moment this movie is cha- like the music is changing how we see each given moment or influencing it at least as opposed to just providing the backdrop for it
1: yes and on that note too speaking of speaking <laughs> with the with the apes and their language and the way they spoke to each other too i love how the music uh, really helped to ex- accent that mm. too. it gave it space yeah. Uh, to where you you do have the emotional aspect to it, but but just in their communication, you see how maybe uh, I don't know about efficient, but maybe just how brief the discussions sometimes were, and yet you understood uh, what was happening, what was going on. Yeah. So th- so there was through that conversation, through the brief conversation, you could still understand uh, the kind of survival that they were they were trying to cling to mm-hmm. during the time. So there's that desperation that almost can you could see without words, but within the words, the few words that gave us, it gave us a pretty good understanding. I think, I
2: think a good point that you're hitting on is the music almost was a character in of itself. It sort of had that yeah, element you where you could, that. you could relate to it, you know, whether it was you know, melancholy or even the silence. There was just mm-hmm. moments where there is nothing playing and you're just in the moment. And I think it's what good filmmaking does is the lighting is telling a story, the wardrobe is telling a story, the music is telling a story, and of course the actors are telling their story. And it's really when you only have all those different complex elements working together in a cohesive story, you have a masterpiece. Hmm. I think of one of my favorites is Lord of the Rings, where, you know, everything is just so on point with music and the scale with cinematography and the wardrobes. And of course your actors, I mean, they all are functioning so well that you're just completely captivated by this mm-hmm. experience. It doesn't even feel like a movie. It's, we're still talking about it. It's been yeah. like, what, 12, 13 years now. Oh that's, yeah.
0: it's great. Well, and one thing I got to give them huge props, like more than anything else in the film, honestly, like just the, I mean, Directing and the uh, storyline, music, all phenomenal. But the amount of expression they put on the, on each ape's faces and how much detail they mm. put into it and capturing the moment, like it wasn't just um, like some of the other Planet of the Apes movies. They showed their faces more as just kind of like show, like well, look how cool pros- this is, more prosthetics. Looks, than, uh, yeah, prosthetics for sure. And you know that's what they had to deal with at the time, so I'll give them that. But mm-hmm. um, even the new, the newer one with Mark Wahlberg, where they did the whole, they redid the whole sci-fi element to it. Um, it was still the apes just they look more realistic but there still wasn't all this detailed expression Mm -hmm. like that's what's driving the story is just the amount of emotion you actually now see in these apes Um, so you could say there's an emotional intelligence that they definitely in this one definitely that was very well crafted into the film Mm -hmm. so especially with Caesar I mean whoo man you just get every detail on his face every single time Mm -hmm. it's great and Every moment where he you you see the the family aspect of, of him being a father and just his worry his that sudden relief every each time he gets to hug his son is just like this it's just overwhelming emotion just like thank God <laughs>
1: so anyway um also uh, uh, just as a side point here the girl uh, involved the human girl that they had rescued okay um. She provided also. To, you see the motherly instinct too. Uh, was that was that a mother or what was the other ape? The one who, the one who did a lot of sign language. Right? Oh, it was um, Caesar's son's mother? girlfriend. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, girlfriend. It, oh, girlfriend. Okay, yeah. that's right.
0: Like the one that he hands his his baby. He's right, like, you love baby my son too. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. You love
1: my son. Um, can you please like take, take care his, of my his younger brother? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but anyway, you, you see the motherly instinct there too, mm-hmm. uh, seen pretty clearly. So and you, I mean, just, you, you get a good family under understanding. Yeah, what and even just
0: a doing. family instinct, whatever you know. She's the first one to like just throw a rock above her head to show that she'll go back to work just to keep Caesar alive. Whenever okay.
1: um, the uh, the colonel is is about to kill him. I was also speaking of the other one though, the large one. Oh, the uh, yeah. the one the with the human girl. Yeah, okay, Robin, yes. Yeah, um, Maurice, yes. Young, yes, young Maurice. Amanda Seinfeld. Mm. Yes, Maurice. Yeah, no, no, one? no, we're Just talking kidding. about the 8 <laughs> <ape>. oh, <okay. laughs> We're talking about the ape. The, that
0: was, that like helped the, the human. Problem. Okay. Yes. The, who helped young Amanda Seinfeld.
2: We're talking about the human. I was talking about the human, so I'm not saying Amanda Seinfeld looks <laughs> like an ape. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 although no. the human did you we're, should just stop right now yeah, the human <laughs> you dig yourself a hole yeah the human did I mean I was I mean I, we were talking about how
1: <laughs>
2: anyway, I'm, anyway I'm talking about the human perhaps we're not going to go down that rabbit yeah. trail so fine
1: <laughs> you guys finish
2: uh, your thought and then we'll move on whatever you hey, want later you
1: you're hear. good man <laughs> anyway so. I think this classifies as moving on now Yeah, oh my god uh, it's on. like oh, on that
2: perfect segue note so <laughs> Okay, um, but um, someone had mentioned um a lot of uh, a lot of Moses eventually. Yes, this, um, like
0: that whole other than the beginning with you know the family dying and everything there and the whole you know revenge story, it was it was very very Moses like for the second half of the film. Whenever he sees that the apes are captured and he gets captured, I guess he's not necessarily you know he doesn't you know grow up you know as you know second in command like Moses did, but just the whole escape theme leading like he even leads the apes across a desert to this promised land uh very yeah very literally um even the uh well it wasn't a parting of the red seas the avalanche that Mm. slaughtered all their enemies right then and there right and uh and that was uh, as a brief side note that was a very climactic moment as uh Not just because, not really because the humans died. It wasn't like, I don't see that as the climactic meaning. The climactic moment was realizing that this is what sets apart the apes and the humans and while they're going to survive, they're on an even level of intelligence, but apes physically just pop up the tree to survive. They're, They're just more fit to survive now with their intelligence. They're now more fit to survive physically. Um and that's that's always honestly been interesting to me you think about i'm not gonna dive too much into this because you can go all over the place with it but um we get so confident in like the technology we have and what we're capable of you know we've we've sent we've gone to the moon we walked on the moon we've uh we've gone through the oceans and all these things but if you actually look at it we're not the most fit to survive we just have the ability to create things that give us more chances to survive and and, yeah give us the advantage but even think about it um we still at least as far as i know there's we still don't have a way to even build a machine that can go down to the bottom of the dead sea like a very salted sea we don't have an ability to actually explore everything on our earth much less go outside of the earth to the universe and explore things there and so much like we've we've just I mean, we're we're very very weak beings when it breaks down compared to all these others that are out there that are much more fit to survive. The only thing that sets us apart is our intelligence. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: He mentioned that in the movie how he just said, you know, what's? Are you going to say something? Because there's something I'd love to segue after that. Um, Something that I thought was quite interesting was he makes a good point saying how this virus breaks out and the very virus that gives the apes their intelligence, ironically, is also morphing into a virus that actually degenerates the humans Mm -hmm. to become more like animals. Yeah. And so the Colonel, when he recognizes this, you start realizing that some humans are unable to speak. And so they start, you know, the Colonel starts killing them and he says, I'm killing them because this virus is spreading. And it really is a honest look saying like, Hey, we're going to, you're going to becoming more intelligent. We're becoming more like animals yeah you're going to enslave us it's going to happen so i'm doing what needs to be done and so there's yeah. this absolute fear that this is what we would do to you so we're going to do it to you before you can do it to
0: right or prevent you from doing it to us what's even more ironic is that you even you even hear him say it whenever he uh his son is the first one who contracts this new mutated virus right. and he sees his son as like he's he's he sees them as like he's basically a full animal now, but yet he also admits that in the moment of shooting him, he saw the trust and mm-hmm. all, these, all the emotional intelligence was still there. He admits that, but he doesn't see it as that. He still sees his son as a mute animal at this point. And so he has to, for the survival of the human race, he thinks, okay, I have to kill my son and therefore kill humans who have who have contracted this mm-hmm. uh, or who want to save these humans who have. But then the very huge irony of it is that then you look at Maurice, the second, like the, the woman ape who's like really close with Caesar, um, she saves this human girl who has that virus yet. She sees the humanity in her still. Mm. So the human actually, the human saw his son as an animal and he should have seen the humanity still left in him, which was Mm. a lot. He just, he just saw the one thing that had the, the speech gone in his mind, suddenly turns his son into an animal, yet Maurice sees this girl, and she sees the human in her. Being an ape, she sees the humanity in a human who has become more animalistic.
2: So in a way, if you think about it, he's... The colonel's looking at this from a grand scale of all history, where he's being very pragmatic, like, for Mm -hmm. the sake of the human race, this person must die. Yeah. And... That really kind of robs him of his own, in a way, of his own humanity, exactly. because he's trying to. And I, I think of people like Adolf. I'll go there, Adolf Hitler. How here is a man who, yeah, we could say he's very much insane, wanting to, you know, rule over the world here. But cruel men don't do as much cruelty, or they don't enjoy their cruelty unless they find some goodness in it. So somewhere Hitler's looking at what his cause is, and he's finding the. Righteousness, even in doing this, and that's mm-hmm. what gives him his fire, his passion, and therefore gives him a lot of persuasiveness because people are so enamored by this very um, intoxicating speaker. But he found, you know, he wanted to create this Overman, the Superman, and he's yeah. like, "We have to eliminate those who are holding us back." And of course, that means right, it's, it's a cleansing, right? And it's yeah. a cleansing. Sacrifices have to be made. You know, it's, what did you know? Uh, we were going to talk about you know the nature of evil and how Hitler. I thought about this. Hitler probably didn't look at his actions as evil. He probably
0: looked at them as unfortunate but necessary steps. As human you know, beings we might look at that and be like, It's possible, but mo- considering he had an all out hate for Jews, it was probably a little less of that. A little less of thinking that this is n-
1: He blamed. I don't know. he
2: did blame the Jews a lot for he wanted to he did blame the Jews a lot for the condition that Germany was in you know Germany was in therefore that had kind of a common enemy for the German people to unite around so in that regard like he did have a natural hatred but I do believe that he's like we're here to cleanse us of these people who are holding us back all the other people you know with all the concentration camps like we're going to be you know Germany overall I forget what I'm saying
0: is but yeah you're right and you see that struggle with Caesar in the movie where he can't let go of his hate yeah Mm -hmm. and that was and until you see the irony that's one thing that's important in the story to mention is uh, the colonel, who's been fighting this virus that's turning humans into, for lack of a better term, apes. Yeah. Um, the uh, the modern day ape, not the future ape we see in the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> we this sit. is this is a forecast of our future, by the way. Just say so you it. Know, well, sorry. we we were
2: laughing because there was a scene where all these apes are like riding on horses and they're all shouting and chanting, and I made the comment of like. It's like, wow, look at all these apes running and shouting. I'm like, yeah, what they did know is a r- bunch of sound effects of a bunch of, like, freshmen in college going to their first <laughs> sir, uh, sir, um, fraternity, fraternity party, party or whatever. You know, yeah. that's,
0: that's what those sound effects <laughs> are. <laughs> oh, Good times. Anyways. Yes. Uh, what was I saying? You Sorry. But, my brain all all befuddled. Um, befuddled, that's a fun word. Yeah, so anyway, the colonel ends up contracting this virus himself, and he becomes mute, and you actually see him, he, he gets all drunk, and Caesar's about to kill him, and then Caesar realizes that the colonel ha- can't talk, and so he realizes the irony. It's kind of like a moment of realization where it's like, there's not a huge point in killing him anymore. This is the this is the best revenge I could have asked for, honestly. And then he lets him be, and the colonel just shoots himself instead, instead of Caesar killing him. So,
1: um, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so there, you very, see the... In, that yeah. kind of jumps into, uh, like, personal justice, mm-hmm. and what is right and wrong to each of the characters, yeah. and how this this movie really emphasized that, of what is Caesar's justice, what is uh, the colonel's justice, and how do they um, how do they execute that. Yeah, uh, And each was done, of course, for the, the preservation of their, their species, I'd yeah. say.
0: Now, I have to segue, Or any of you guys have any other points on just the colonel? On just the colonel? Well, I want, to, I want to hear where you're. Okay, talking. so my, my segue is over to like, in in general. Obviously, the colonel was evil, messed up, a little psychotic, of course. But in general, were the humans evil, or is this strictly out of survival? Because you can't you can't fully relate everything to the Adolf Hitler thing, because there is this virus that's one. It's been it's yeah. killed most of humanity already, and who knows what more it's going to do besides just make them mute. I mean, at this. The movie ends with just you know we kind of have a satisfaction that that's all the vi- this new virus does is just makes the humans mute. It doesn't kill them, but you know he's op- the humans are operating under the assumption that this will go further. This, this will go beyond just creating us mute. And again, from the uh, from what they've heard from their kernel, this isn't just going mute. This is turning them into animals. Mm. So to them, this is in their minds all they know about this new mutated virus, is that it's turning us into what the apes used to be, mindless creatures. And we tr- we need to eliminate that. They don't think there's any humanity that will be left in them if they contract this virus. It's basically, a, literally, a soul-sucking virus in their minds. Well, he's so, saying we're, we're, he's afraid that humanity is going to be
2: completely wiped out. And that's why exactly. their symbol was uh, Alpha and Omega. Like, you know, we are the beginning and we are the end. Mm-hmm. That was the... Yeah. The one so you kind
0: of have to ask the question... In, in the humans in this movie as a whole group, are they actually evil? There's definitely some things I would disagree with their methods, but their entire uh, worldview at this point I, and their purpose, I wouldn't necessarily say is evil. It's strictly, out of, uh, it's strictly out of survival. But I have some definite flaws with their techniques. For example, if they were going after Caesar, if they had truly thought about it, if they killed the leader of the apes, potentially this giant civilization of apes could just start spreading out among the world which would spread the virus faster keeping them in a localized neutral or, or out of the way civilization keeps the virus more at bay than it would be potentially so for one they're just not thinking
1: <laughs> yeah that's true so, but and also kind of stepping out to see it from a cultural lens too this is more wouldn't you say this was a little more postmodern i'd give its you that. approach as in the the morality you had the religious elements in it but it was used loosely mm-hmm. so it, it was kind of used as a a tool yeah for the humans uh and even for the apes too the way in which they had their own saviors uh, you know caesar being the savior and even the almost almost how he was depicted as as being crucified they really did have those crucifix so. exactly it's yeah. just savior now now meant something different in that context yeah so I think in that way it would be more of a postmodern approach, mm-hmm. to where it becomes a tool rather than essential. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Um, you got to mention briefly just the comic relief ape. He's kind of like the crazy uncle <laughs> of the family. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 was, what was his name? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he actually got a name. It was just. Oh, bad, his name was Bad Ape. Yeah, Bad, <laughs> bad was Ape. His name Bad Ape. <laughs> and he does that whole cheesy smile. Mm-hmm.
2: Bad, my favorite scene with him is when. Uh, They're all, like, spying on them, and they have binoculars. (laughs) He's like, why are they so far away? And he's freaking out, and the ape just looks at him, flips the binoculars out, and he's like,
0: oh. (laughs) (laughs) He was just this crazy loner. And I was saying, on paper,
2: that's got to just be like, this looks completely ridiculous on
0: paper, but when you actually do it, it's just just priceless. And honestly, if you look at all the lines throughout the movie, like, they're fairly... Blank, straightforward, kind of cheesy in places too, but because of the creative boundaries they set where the, there are very few apes that can talk and the ones that can, even Caesar, there's words he's skipping throughout his, his average sentences. So your normal cheesy lines become uh, become very valid in those situations. And again, they weren't super cheesy, but they were simple.
2: And I would say, we, we usually say cheesy because it's not, a line is like, well, that's very cliche or that's yeah. very elementary, yeah. but in Caesar's case... Elementary is what he's got. <laughs> he, he is elementary. I'm saying yeah. the fact that he's really one of the only apes that actually can speak, and the fact that he has good English is, you know, those cliches is probably yeah. all his, his. The expansive it's as large as his vernacular he can he can take. Mm-hmm. So I mean that. If, so for Caesar, it actually worked very well. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to really hit on the the topic of forgiveness, actually. Um, because uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, what was the other ape's name? The one that Caesar was fighting against? Koba. So Koba. Um, Caesar makes a comment about Koba, saying how he hated the humans so much, and it led to this war, which obviously led to more bloodshed and mm-hmm. you know all the all that happening. And so Caesar finally makes the realization that Koba couldn't let go of his anger, and I can't let go of mine. And so for one, I. At first, I thought it was going to be stupid to how the first time Caesar's like, I got to go kill the colonel, so he leaves. The apes get captured, and it's basically in a way it's so much Caesar's fault because he left them, you know, let them to be captured. And I thought it was going to be kind of cliche. That's like, now that they're escaping again, he's like, no, I've got to get my revenge. And it's like we just saw what happened. We did this last time. Yep. But when he says he couldn't let Koba couldn't let go of hatred, and I can't let go of mine. You really see that this is a character arc where he recognizes i can't let go of this i have to rectify this Mm -hmm. and um i just i know in our own lives there's things about our past we just won't let go and that's um as christians that's you know god's telling you vengeance is mine yeah you won't have just you know you have to ensure justice comes from me and trust me with the justice you can't get your revenge and and holding on to bitterness is like what what's the saying um It's like uh, drinking Rack Poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? You ever heard of that? Mm, Yeah. And that's Um, kind of what bitterness does to us. So usually we'll hold bitterness to friends, uh, people we've dated, mom and dad, and uh, we just won't let go of those. I mean, Hmm. any thoughts on on that?
0: Not necessarily thoughts. You hit the nail on the head, though. Yeah. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: for sure. And uh, I also wanted to – we also mentioned about losing humanity. Um, I was listening to um, – Oh, what's his name? He has got the late, late night, uh, late, late show. Um, Greg Ferguson. Uh, Greg Ferguson had an interview. Just wanted to bring this up. Had an interview with um, Archbishop Desmond Tut Tut Tut. Tut. Um, South Africa. He did a lot of work with. um, Wow, what's big big name from South Africa?
1: Ended apartheid. I can't. um, Oh. I can't think either. Wait. Um, uh, am I just ignorant and said Nelson Mandela. Thank you. Okay. okay. This is like <laughs> I know
2: the guy's name. We know the guy's name. Anyway, he talked about um, forgiveness, how it's such an integral part about being human. And the idea was we're going to make mistakes. And if we're so busy holding grudges against one another, we essentially alienate ourselves from each other. And that kind of cuts off our humanity. Hmm. And he mentioned about Hitler and some of these other people who did these terrible acts against humans, you essentially have to shut yourself off from other people. And when you do that, you ironically, while you're treating them like cattle and you know, treating them less than humans, by closing your heart off, because we were meant for relationships, by closing your heart off, you're essentially robbing yourself of your own humanity. Yeah. And he's saying like, unless we learn to forgive, we will essentially forfeit our own humanity. in the process of trying
0: to get the other person to hear what's coming. to It's funny you actually say that because there's uh, something I have noticed every now and then. It's something I have to practice because when we do something wrong or maybe even if it's out of sympathy or something like that, we we say, but in my case, I'm trying to reference something when you do something wrong. We say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. But very few people will ever say after that, like, I'm sorry, I apologize, will you please forgive me? Those words right after that are very rare to actually hear. You just hear the I'm sorry or I apologize. And there's... Um, yeah, there's no reconciliation. Yeah, there's not a reconciliation. People assume the reconciliation. But when you actually... There's there's something to be said whenever you put the other person in a situation to say, yes, I forgive you, or no, I don't. That's That finalizes it. That actually... Almost like a verbal contract, you might say. But I mean, more on an emotional level, of course, but still... It, it rectifies the situation more, but you don't see many people actually going to that degree. They just say the I'm sorry or I apologize, and you're supposed to, and the other person really just has to say, I believe you, or I don't believe you, whether or not, but they're even if they say I believe you're sorry, they're not saying they forgive you. Hmm. So there, it, it can create, in some situations, it could even cause more conflict if you don't
1: reach to the next degree and, and the next level and say, will you please forgive me? Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, it's a reflection of it's a reflection of the biblical narrative too, what Christ did mm-hmm. for us, and since He has forgiven us, we that is, it's now our responsibility to forgive others yeah. as well. But the more we follow Him, the more our desire it is to forgive. Yeah, we might not feel it, but we know it is. It is the truth, and the truth sets you free. So we are free to forgive. Yeah. On that note, I'm curious, what do you guys
2: a lot of people will define what does forgiveness mean. Because some people would say like, oh, it's it's acting like it never happened or it's recognizing like what, what are your, I think this would be good just to kind of flesh out. What do we, what do you think you, we mean by forgiveness? Like what does that word actually mean? Like practically speaking, like to forgive somebody,
0: what would be the attitude towards that person moving forward? Uh, hmm. I think a good way to describe it, I mean, again, going with the biblical narrative, when Christ forgives us for our sins, um, I mean, he doesn't forget them. He knows that we did that, I mean, obviously, but he, it, it does not... Because um, we do have passages where faith. God's like,
2: you know, I don't remember your sins no more. Does that mean God has amnesia? <laughs> I don't. I
0: don't quite. I definitely think that's more metaphorical. Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. think. I don't think that's quite so much. No. So much that. I think a good way to put it is it's scratched out of our record book. You can put it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: person to person, same thing. Like if I forgive you for something,
1: in my mind, it is scratched off the record book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'd say that's about right. I'd say just like affirming a wrongdoing. Yeah, and then laying it to rest, maybe. So, in other words, it's still not forgotten. Yeah, but we we still are taking that step forward of leaving that wrongdoing behind us.
2: Right. And I would, yeah, I definitely want to emphasize that because I think we have people who've wronged us in the past. And for example, if someone can't, you can't trust with a secret, it, wisdom would say you don't trust that person with another secret. Right. I mean, that you need to build that relationship. That's the key word here. Build that relationship. Build that trust. But you don't hold that against them. So you, there's things you know, um, um, there's things that we've done to other people. But it's that, that's what Christ did for us. He's like he looked at our brokenness and he's like you know I see that, but I'm going to love you anyway and I'm going to provide a way for us to be together. And so I think yeah. that's the key. It's like you don't forget it, but it doesn't really influence the relationship anymore. You're yeah. like okay I see that, and I'm willing to take that. I'm willing to take you in spite of that. So we can be together and have a closer relationship. So yeah. I think that's good. Forgiveness
1: is not forgetting, but it doesn't, you don't hold it over the person. Correct. So, so would you really say there was forgiveness between Caesar and the colonel? I'm not sure whether there was even no, No, there. definitely not forgiveness. There, there was, was an understanding, perhaps.
0: Yeah, maybe an understanding. I don't, I don't even know if I'd go that far. I would just say that Caesar reconciled with himself.
1: That's mm, pretty much yeah, it. I don't think there was
0: any forgiveness on either side. It was strictly like Caesar just saw. This is, I mean, revenge has been taken with without me. There's there's no need for me to do anything else. I can let go of my hate at this moment because, um, oh, because the revenge has he has he honestly like it's just it's just ironic revenge. Like there was nothing. It was, I mean, in a non-biblical view, you you would say of course this is all a fantasy world. But you know, if if I were a Christian in that situation and say God. Judged him. But in, in this world, we're assuming this is kind of more an atheistic view, so it would just be more pure coincidence and irony that uh, is what actually caused the, the perfect
1: revenge. And you could say they just carried out their own justice, really, because yeah. you have Caesar with his saying, you have no mercy, and, and then the colonel acting out his pragmatic approach, which was even, even to the point of killing himself. Uh, in order to, to rid themselves of, of what could destroy humanity completely. Yeah. yeah, but
2: I don't think he killed himself because he thought, I must protect the human race. I think he was just so... Because I'm, I'm, um, he killed himself because you saw how much... So you saw the office. There was alcohol everywhere. There was blood everywhere. And you saw him like looking at a picture of his son. So I still think he was grieving and somewhat psychotic the fact that his son was gone. But then he's really trying to. I don't know if he knew how to forgive himself because he had killed his son in order to protect yeah. the human race, killed yeah. so many people, and now he has his own virus, so it's like,
1: I can't live with myself anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm oh, sorry, oh. I was just thinking of Zombie Land because his son also died in that movie. <laughs> so just a, just a little. <laughs> I have that hard since Titanic. Oh, man. Yes. So this
2: this is what happened after this is what like after zombie land. He actually survives
0: the gunshot and then we have the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, the zombie virus spread to the apes and made them really smart and so the sun that we, we knew died in zombie land is actually the same son we, we know died in World War. Mind blown of who would
2: have known we would have had a <laughs> crossover there. That'll do, pig. Okay,
0: that'll do. <laughs> Ugh, um, that was awesome. That was awesome.
1: That, that was, okay. was a pretty great crossover there. Okay.
2: Oh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, Oh, Jerry, you you wanted to mention the ape, uh, Donkey the Ape.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just just thought that was, again, this movie is just filled with irony because it's so easy. I mean, apes and humans have been compared for so long. It's so easy to create crossover ironies back and forth. It was just, and so it's. it's And I got to say, when you mentioned Donkey,
2: I thought of Donkey from Shrek. I can't, you know, I'm just thinking, you're talking about Donkey and I'm like, and I'm thinking of Waffles and swapping Mandy stores. And... <laughs> Who voiced Donkey
0: again? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. They should have gotten him to voice Donkey in here. That would have been hilarious.
2: <laughs> I don't think I could have got, watched
0: the movie. I would have just been like, like, no,
2: where's uh, where's the dragon and
1: where's... For uh, <laughs> that the... I say, oh gracious. Oh gracious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do puns on this show as well. Oh, yes. Uh, so...
0: Uh, yeah, I just thought it was just, you know, ironic that, you know, donkey, this donkey ape is, uh, or the ape that they they have said to call donkey, uh, has been helping the humans who are under threat of becoming mute. And so they, the fact that they call him donkey, and again, it's a little bit of a, uh, similarity in, in, uh, in, uh, words there, but you know, the, uh, the colonel, when he's talking to Caesar, um, he says, you will, we will become your cattle. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, again, they're showing that, you know, they have a very, even written it on this ape's back that they're calling
1: him donkey. Um, So it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. So a little sidebar there. I think it'd be worth seeing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, too. Mm -hmm. To just kind of lead into this and see what events took place to lead into this. Yeah. 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 All right.
2: Be good. And the reason why a lot of these apes have joined the humans, because many of them had sided with... um, Koba. Coba, and so they f- they felt they felt outcasted from the apes and knew if they went back to the apes, they didn't know what Caesar would do to them. I think Caesar probably would have taken them back if they mm-hmm. would have proven their loyalty, but they didn't know what Caesar was going to do do the do them, and they said that in the movie. So they decided to join the humans because
0: yeah. they're like, you know, we're going to get wiped out anyway, so might as well save my yeah. my own skin. Well, it's it's funny they're. Uh, and donkey is the example here because they they kind of single him out. There's like ten apes who have actually done this, but there's one that we just know by donkey. Um, 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 winter, winter defected. True, true. Winter but donkey normal. is the one who kind of had his a yeah. redemption
2: arc. Yeah,
0: true. Uh, but yeah, well, and I wouldn't even say redemption because the whole thing there um, is donkey is very much a Judas, like from from start to finish. You know he. He sides with the bad guys and everything. And once he does, you know, he, he knows that uh, he's scared of what would happen if he came back. You know, just like Judas, like, he he never actually got redeemed. He killed himself because he couldn't live with himself. So, I guess you could say there's probably, there's definitely a little bit more redemption here. But Donkey basically does kill himself. He saves Caesar in the meantime of doing it. But he hap- But he really, he knows he's killing himself. He's yeah. he's so betraying sad. the people that he betrayed. Um which,
2: which so. is interesting, because there is another character. Um, they called him the Preacher, didn't they? I, I don't know. Yes, I think he was the Preacher. preacher. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he there is a special character at the beginning of the movie where he's kind of identified as the one who's holding guy, this crossbow. And he's spared mm-hmm. by Caesar, and he's like, oh, you're Caesar, and Caesar shows him mercy. And at the end of this um, movie, there's a scene right. where he shoots Caesar, and you can't tell what the guy's thinking. Like, oh, I, I shot Caesar, oops, or okay, I shot Caesar. And so you see him, you know, a kind of a pivotal moment where he's looking at Caesar. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, he's going to say, I'm sorry, or throw the grenade. And he he actually begins to sh- get ready to shoot Caesar again. And I'm like, he's not, you know, like I'm surprised he didn't get redeemed. So, but what's interesting about that is while he didn't get a redemption arc, Donkey did because Donkey's the one who turned around and shot him to save Caesar's life. So, To me, I thought it was quite ironic that because of that, once you know, both had the opportunity for redemption, and because the one didn't chose not to have redemption, the other one had his opportunity for redemption. Yeah, you're right. But I was kind of
1: sad to see that. I'm like, wow, there are no good humans in this movie except the one mute girl. Yeah. Well, speaking of redemption, I was. uh, Did you notice the words? It was on the side of a wall somewhere, but it, it basically mentioned display courage, not fear.
2: Mm-hmm. Know, that. Picked up yeah. on that.
1: It was, it was up on the wall, but essentially it was like, don't, don't display your fear to your comrades, uh, display your courage. Mm. And that may have been, that may have touched on a religious tone too. And in, in yeah. terms of, uh, preservation of your religion and whatever, whatever lies might be hidden in it. Don't, don't give it away. Yeah. And pretend. So in that you do see that, that kind of postmodernist view there, but also you see what happens with the colonel. uh, Fulfills what happens with uh, with his uh, what do you call it his pr- uh, pr- uh, trying to get the word out here his public face and his private face yeah so publicly you see this courage this no back no backing down uh, attitude and yet near near the end when he's dying you see the fear begin to take over but it's done in private it's not seen yeah. publicly. Hmm. so the, in, in in other words he's kind of uh switching that phrase around yeah right? in that sense of of his fear taking over hmm. and uh and the courage falling to the wayside and so, therefore he's but, not the, a redemptive
2: character. but i would say that's kind of true of all leadership good or bad is you 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 have to set a sort of have somewhat of a distance from the people that you're leading like you're only fully transparent with a very select few because those you're leading, you have to show a sign of vision, of courage, of um, you know, cracking the whip
1: sometimes because yeah. you have an objective to reach. So, um, but I mean, contrast that with Caesar, though, because mm-hmm. Caesar he did display some of that. That is necessary in leadership, but you also see that sense in which he's he's like, okay, we need to approach this and, Caesar, and take yeah. care of it. Yeah, um, and I would agree with that. Caesar did show a lot of. Humanity,
2: in a way, yeah. ironically, uh, because he was very much like with the apes. You saw he was sad. He was depressed at times yeah. and shown kindness, and therefore he was courageous. And so he yeah, – that is interesting how – I think that's what good leaders are. Um, they try to be authentic and genuine with the people that they lead.
0: Yeah. I don't think they try. They just are. They just are, yeah. And that's that's the difference yeah. from leadership and celebrity. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> you have – Yeah, I mean, especially today, we get so much, like, the the goal of social media is to make a celebrity more personable. Mm -hmm. It's a show. From start to finish, it's a show. Um, Maybe sometimes a very good show, but a leader... Like Cinema
2: Rabbit Trails. Right, exactly. Yeah, so so that's
0: that's the whole put of it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take over the world one of these days, guys, so... so Oh, the irony, yes. Um... But yeah, so you have, uh, that's letters. why that's why you can always see, even today especially, you have a lot of celebrities who are trying to be even, like, more political leaders, even, oftentimes, mm-hmm. um, and they've, they kind of keep failing at it, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because nobody sees them, at least not nobody, I, of course, I have, you know, more conservative friends who don't necessarily, like, look to celebrities as, like, as maybe some people, some other people do sometimes, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just see that maybe in some conservative Christians. They don't like gawk over every celebrity out there. Um, but people I know typically aren't, uh, don't see celebrities as any type of leader. Like they might see them leading in certain fashions, but they're not leaders. Like they might be heading up some program or something like that. Oh, that's good. They're, 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 they're heading something that's, uh, they're, they're leading something that is really good, but they don't see them as personal leaders for themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all a show from
1: start to finish, most of the time at least. Um, and yet, there's some that really dominate the culture so true. much, yeah. True. And the, maybe maybe that says more about apathy than it does anything yeah. else. Of yeah. just gradual acceptance of this, this gradual tolerance. Is tolerance built up uh, due to exposure to mm-hmm. the celebrities? You're having a lot of good thoughts tonight,
0: Adam. I, I wish coffee affected me
1: like It is that. Mine
0: is having no effect on me. That's why I'm like, I'm bumbling all over the place. And that's idea that's cool. coffee. Yeah.
2: One thought I did also want to mention about leadership. It's easier to be a leader when things are, when things are great, um, and to ride the wave, but it's very difficult when, you know, everyone's against you. And you mm-hmm. saw that with Caesar, how when he's thrown back into the cage, literally, uh, with the other apes, um, And they see him, and uh, you can definitely see, they feel a sense of betrayal that you left us, and that's why we're here in these cages, and so when they look at him, they turn their backs, and so I have to, you know, I have to believe that the true leaders are the ones that are, you realize that, is my leader going to get my back when things are tough? And I feel like a lot of millennials are craving for that. They're like, does my leadership have my back? Yeah. And a lot of leaders, a lot of managers, leaders will criticize just employees in general, because yeah. they don't work hard, whatever. And I would definitely agree that a lot of that is true. People do need to show excellence in their work, and that is yeah. lacking in a lot of um, businesses. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, when I'm working, I want to know if things go wrong, does my manager have my back, mm-hmm. or is he going to throw me under the bus? Yeah. Because if he's going to let me go when things get tight, why do I want to work hard for somebody like that? Yeah.
0: I'll yeah. go less dramatic than that. One thing I've noticed, no no no, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying to, to take it down to a, because that's kind of an ultimatum scenario there. Like okay. if something goes really bad, does your manager have your back? Um, usually in a situation like that, I think oftentimes a manager would, even in, just an okay. Well, someone who's going to care team. for you if things, you know, like something breaks, is he going to chew you out or is he going to be like, well, here, let me show you how
2: right. to do this. Okay. You're going to take okay. a few minutes. Sometimes i like, like, worst case scenario, like does my manager, okay. like if a customer, is going you know ballistic about I got an order wrong. Will my manager yeah defend me about like you know Hey, he followed protocol, and you need to lower your voice yeah. and treat him with respect. Well, and you know
0: you, you, I'm gonna bring it back to a uh, yeah, so that, old, that's a old, fur yeah definitely fur yeah. example. But well, I'm gonna go to a, a, a if if you want to th- know how your manager would react in that situation, if you yeah. have it if you if you haven't been in a situation in a situation like that with your manager right Usually now. Words. Yes, use my words. I'm becoming an ape. I can't use these the words. Are, words are hard. I know. I know. Anyway, um, but the proverb of uh, uh, "You who are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in much." Uh, same thing. Does not. You uh, don't You don't have to start at a uh, an ultimatum scenario where you know, worst case, and does your manager have your back? But start with, does your manager thank you for even the everyday things you're responsible for? Sure. So that'd be a good place to start because I've had managers who don't do that. And that's honestly, that's a very hard person to work for. Sometimes, honestly, it's it's harder to work for someone who just is an and doesn't thank you for even the common day stuff. Like, yes, you're required to do it. But man, you get a thank you for just even doing something in your job, and especially if you do something that's not, wasn't asked of you or, isn't, or is outside of what your normal job would be or what it would entail. Um, that's that just goes a long way. Just a simple thank you. Um, but if you have somebody who's, like, chewing you out, it creates, like, this rebel mode. It's like, I'm going to I'm gonna fight this person. I mean, unless, you, you know, it's, like, really bad. It's, like, it's just not worth working there, of course. There's sure. definitely degrees of that. But sometimes you get kind of, like, if you have some, some manager or boss in general who's kind of going against you as a group of employees or even you personally, you get this rebel spirit, like, I'm going to fight back in this job um, yes. to some degree, so... I think. Hopefully, hopefully that's
2: the attitude because yeah. if you're taking the attitude like I'm going to do this job so well, you know it's he's going to have to pay, take notice. Hopefully, it's yeah. positive. Other yeah. times it'd be like, all right, how much chaos can we cause in the <laughs> workplace today? Passive aggressive. Huh? Yeah, passive aggressive. Yeah. It's kind of like that yeah. last day on the job. You're just like, all right, this is going
0: to be my mic drop out of here. That's how sitcoms are created. That's not how life works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, comments in real life? What? Uh, what? what? I know. If only Phoebe Buffet were a real person, right? She'd be my wife. <laughs> Wait, who is that? <laughs> Pardon my ignorance. Phoebe Buffet from Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I never watched that. the show to see. Oh, I, I love Phoebe so much. How do we get from Online of the Apes to I don't know. Maybe Friends we could. Uh, Apes I Apes could. Follow, Maybe a... I, I could figure
2: out
1: the uh, the rapid trail there, oh, but uh, we don't. That this is why ape we call it cinematic rapid trails, guys. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff <laughs> though, nonetheless. Um, do you want to do an ape version of Friends? <laughs> <An Ape. laughs> Planet of the Friends. There we go. Planet, Planet, Planet of the Friends. Um, Which, on that note, do you, do you think uh, there'll be any sequel, or do you think there's anything, any way of developing? Friends? Uh, n- um, <laughs> <laughs> that's debatable. <laughs> okay, back to it. Um, okay, okay, back to uh, Yeah, you were uh, talking apes. about... Do you think there's a yeah. sequel for Apes? If, if there's any potential there.
0: I don't know. Disney was at the um, home? I don't know Matt Reeves. <laughs> I don't know Matt Reeves too well. I don't know much else of his work. I, I, after this, I need to, but... Um, I would hope not. It's just finished yeah. out so well. I mean, I'm sure, I like... Unless we're right now we're in the era of sequels and remakes all this stuff, so hopefully that doesn't last for another ten, fifteen years because if that's still going on in ten, fifteen years we'll probably see either a sequel or a remake or something. And yes. It's like I don't I don't need that. Some things just need to be done. Because okay. they're they finish
1: well. And have any of you watched the old, old one? Yeah, Heston yes. Yeah. yeah. Which one? I wonder was that added into the time timeline or? at all? No, 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 no. This completely, so completely different version because that's
0: Okay. that and the, actually um, that and the Mark Wahlberg one are very sci-fi and they actually have similar plot lines with, with some subtle differences what um, the uh, <clears throat> the original planet of the apes it turns out as you as you go through the story you find out because Charlton Heston is an astronaut mm-hmm. uh, turns out he's gone so far away from earth and, and he's actually come back around basically and he's That's come right. back in time to earth when humans were apes or something something like that something to that degree Um, it's been a long time since I've watched it but then the Mark Wahlberg one was they're astronauts in space and they've been training chimps there's an accident where uh, the chimp is in a a testing space shuttle out there in their space station and uh, he gets lost into like a nebula or something like that and he goes after that ape and it turns out that that ape actually landed and uh, I forget the whole story again it's been a while on that one too but basically it's not earth it's a planet but he actually has um there was like a big time gap from whenever Mm -hmm. his that ape arrived on the planet and when he arrived on the planet and then also like the ship actually came after them after them both and the ship actually arrived uh, like before they did or something like that um anyway so like apes have now populated a large portion well uh, uh, the small section that he's in at least either uh a fair size area of this okay. planet. Um, so yeah, long, long I just wanted there. to kind of
1: see where it fit in the timeline. Yeah, yeah, there's no, this like, is a
0: very different version of it and honestly, I love it so much better. It's like, yeah. other than the first movie where the virus thing started, that was a kind of a little, it, it lacked a little bit of that suspense of disbelief mm-hmm. that needed to be there, but it was still good. It was still very good, but mm-hmm. Dawn and this one were the best.
2: There was one, There was, that was one thing in the movie that just kind of was like, all right you you, you kind of had to forgive the movie on that one there's this one scene where they're like you know we got to get the apes or the the younglings above ground or whatever so they come up with this great plan for the uh the apes to start throwing their crap at one of the soldiers and he's like hey who threw that he opens up the gate and then he clocks himself in the gate with the apes and it's like
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know first of all you know opening up the gate locking yourself in the gate and then the guy happened to have the keys for that gate and all the other gates
0: it's like it's impressive how they foresaw that yeah, yeah yeah i was just like that's very yeah. <laughs> the guy with the key is stupid enough to get angry and lock himself in with these apes who could now kill him and get access to the key or right. escape right. so other than so. that but that was my only su- su- suspense of disbelief i mean yeah. Yeah, it's kind
2: of ironic saying that in a movie like this in the grand, you know, in the story arc, it's like,
0: okay, that's really. Yeah. Mm, yeah I don't know if I can go go with you on that one. So, yeah, good thought. But then again, we have seen how stupid some people can be when they're promoted, provoked to anger. Yeah. So I've never had uh, you know poop thrown on my
1: thrown on my face. So uh, who knows what I might do in a situation like that? Right. I don't want to imagine though. Oh, those darn cows. You can. You'll never know. Alright, anything else you guys want to point out? No, I think that for me that ties it up. How about you David?
2: I was kind of curious with um, the imagery of um, the cross in a lot of scenes because you definitely see the mm-hmm. colonel wearing a cross mm-hmm. and definitely when he's talking with Caesar there's this map with his son and there's definitely a very prominent cross, a, a wooden cross on the, on the map so um, in films like something like that you know everything has a purpose on the set i mean it's very rare that sounds like oh i didn't know i had my uh you know large thermos there promoting this company there i mean there yes there are accidents made but something like that I was like i'm curious what the what imagery they were wanting to talk about
0: i mean yeah did you guys pick up on that yes i, I didn't pick it up right off the bat honestly that's one thing i definitely missed as far as just like, uh, I mean,
1: noticing it during the movie. So. Yeah, I did too. Again, I think that goes back to to postmodernism, just using it as a tool, uh, the cross and all that to prove what kind of man he is. It kind of fee- It kind of uh, fills in the character, you might say, or fills in, in his viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always
0: funny to me how there are so many stories and like, in sci-fi and fantasy and things like this, where it kind of replicates either. You know, you can you can see the similarities between uh, like for in this case a little bit more Moses, but you still get some symbolism from uh, Jesus Christ and and, uh, and his ministry and him dying on the cross and the resurrection, redemption, all this stuff. Um, now, usually in these cases, we don't get somebody who's perfect; we get a flawed character who who gets who we see create the redemption or you know. In some cases, nowadays, we actually see them resurrected. (laughs) We have cases where heroes come back to life, but... um, Quite literally. Yeah. Um, Looking at you, Marvel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wolverine! Anyway.
2: (laughs) Um... Okay, Wolverine might come back from the
0: dead, but Hugh Jackman's n- not going to happen. I'm done with Hugh Jackman on Wolverine, please. I've had us. We've had enough. Well, None Hugh days. Jackman, he's
2: just like, he's like, you know what, my character, he's my time with Wolverine's done,
0: so I can respect the guy. like, you know, I've done uh, this for 10 years. Hugh Jackman, I love you. You're a great actor, but we're done with Wolverine. Thank you. <laughs> Please. We might be, but uh, the studio isn't. They're like, nope, that's, we got money to be making here. Yes, <laughs> so nah, That is true. No. Well, no. Well, but anyway, my, to my point, what I was going to say, the uh, we see so many of these fantasy, sci-fi, just all these storylines that people love. It's like, oh, in some, some of them, probably not this one since it's, it's more <coughs> apocalyptic. Um, mm-hmm. we, we get kind of this vibe of like, oh, this would be so cool if this was real. And yet, at the same time, we don't get, like, people a lot of people just refuse to believe that there's there's a version of this that is real. Jesus Christ was real. He was a he 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 is real. He was uh he was God's son. He gets to uh he comes to earth, he uh
1: redeems humanity and everything. So yeah, exactly. That's and plus you see how much of of uh, media even if they don't mean to do this but they they take a lot of christian imagery mm-hmm. uh from so, it because after it's it's the best way it's ever been done and <laughs> because we believe it's true yeah so.
0: and it's funny too because we have so many different we have uh four different accounts of jesus' ministry mm-hmm. uh the four uh, you know the four main gospels Matthew Mark Luke John and uh all written by by the people they're, they're named after. And it's uh, we get all these different perspectives and everything. So it's really mm-hmm. funny to me how that all pieces together. It was funny. I was actually talking to um, uh, my roommate's girlfriend a little bit about this. Um, we had an interesting conversation about uh, how Christianity, one, we, uh, at least as far as I've, I've come to know, I haven't necessarily studied like a bunch of other religions, but the God... Um, the God we worship, and I know some religions, you don't necessarily worship a God. Like, she's actually uh, from a Buddhist family, mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily worship a God, to my knowledge. It's just more the teachings of Buddha. Um, but as far as religions go, Christianity is the only one there with uh, two different aspects. One, we have we have multiple, not just like a couple, like we have 40 different people who wrote what we reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, the God... Slash person we worship wrote nothing of it. They did not write a word of it.
2: <laughs>
0: it's very interesting, and of course, there's also the the biggest thing where Christianity is very very different is that whereas other religions are um, they they do two usually they do one if not both of these two things. One it's um, uh, it's a very prideful thing where it's like my obedient or, or well obedience equals rewards. So okay, I get to acceptance. boast about my obedience because look how good I am. Therefore, look at the rewards I'm going to get eventually, um, and or it's just focused like some people don't even take it that far. I'm not saying people are always boastful in those in other religions. I'm not saying that, but there is that element where that is th- that you're
2: expected that if you do if you behave well, God will mm-hmm. reward you or you will receive acceptance exactly because you
0: you did good behavior exactly. Whereas with Christianity, love inspires obedience. It's a very, very different approach. And I mean, and it's just funny to me how people don't necessarily. I'm not saying you know. I understand people aren't going to believe in Christianity. I can't help that. Um, Only God can help that. But you can still see how how much it's resembled throughout humanity in that you know if you love if you truly love another person in a marriage or your your family just in, in any even as friends if you love somebody truly you treat them very differently like your love for them inspires you to do things for them yeah. you know heck we celebrate birthdays we get them birthday presents i mean sometimes that may be out of um like obligation or we have or some of us i'm sure have some of those friends and family members but it's often, very often, it's like we love this person. We feel obligated to give them a present. We are inspired to give them a present and make it meaningful. Why is that? Because we love them, mm-hmm. and that's what Christianity is. We 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 love God because God loved us, and that mutual love inspires us to obey. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to say that's also. I think it's a very human thing in our brokenness is.
2: We feel this need to, we have to earn people's love Mm -hmm. or I have to prove myself to people. I think that's just in our our own sinful brokenness. We just, we do that. And that's the Christian worldview where God's like, hey, I'm going to give you a new mind, a new way of thinking. And that's the thing we have to wrestle with. It's like, I can't, I don't understand this. And that's,
1: that's the forgiveness and that's the love and grace that comes in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, Christianity is offensive to other religions because of that reason with, with the pride yeah. The reward that the self takes yeah. in order to be accepted. Yeah,
0: and you know that you can always uh, and actually, my roommate's girlfriend made this point too that not all Christians are that way, and I can definitely agree with that right. it's it's right. Uh, you know you always have those few who ruin it for the rest of us, and, and and honestly, with Christianity, it's definitely not always a few. It's it's there's a lot of Christians I've I've known or. I mean, a lot of Christian culture,
2: if you will, in America, we there's usually, you associate Christianity with hypocrite, and that's it's such mm-hmm. a sad thing that that's one of the things that comes to mind, and um, well, I think it's because we're trying, to, there's still that, hu- we're still trying to do this in our own human strength, where it's like, I've got to earn this, and God's like, mm-hmm. you don't have to earn my grace and salvation, you just have to ex- accept it and live in it, and I feel like we're yeah. still refusing to live in it, because it's like, I've got to do more, i got to... I got to act better. I got to. Yeah. And obviously you can't do that because the Bible, we, you know, we are broken. We're right. going
0: to make mistakes. And honestly, I think we see that more in America than anywhere else, though, because it, to be honest, in a lot of other countries where Christianity is persecuted or outlawed or not as common, it's a little bit more of your. You're an isolated Christian. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm saying say it's so, but... human
2: nature. I, th- I would say it's our oh, sinful, man. broken human nature, because a lot of Christians get a lot of bad rap for. You're a bunch of hypocrites, and you did this and then the other. And I'm like, what I'm realizing is, you know what? I think this is just the human condition. We are yeah, hypocritical. Sure. We tell people do as I say, not as I do. Parents yeah. did it to their kids, and parents, you know, I can probably yeah. get a witness out there if you know you. Telling mom and dad, it's like, well, hey, you you did this when I, when you were my age, so yeah. who are you to tell me? Yeah. You're my mom and dad, but um, I don't I don't respect that you're telling me to act this way because
0: why do we guard our kids from like er, at early ages? Why do we guard them from smoking, drinking, or and swearing? I mean, it, I mean, I was guarded from all those things, of course, but yeah. I think most of us were. But I mean, you have I, like almost every person I have talked to who smoked. Like in worked with even, like any time the conversation has risen their they say, you know, my parents always told me like my parents smoked and everything. They always told me don't smoke when they when was growing up, but you know, you're around it all the time. So,
2: so that's that's kind of the point I was going to draw. Yeah. It's like it's just kind of it really is just human nature that we kinda of goes back to the forgiveness things. like, Are you willing to forgive people when you've been wronged? Or you know, are we gonna be hypocrites and say, like, yeah, this is the standard but um you all of you need to follow this. I'm gonna kind of do what I wanna and yeah. that's the humility that comes into that. So.
0: so, moral of the movie and the moral of the night: humans are screwed up. I hope yeah. that is.
2: Yeah, because thing. there was literally not one good human being in that movie except exactly. the girl, and
0: she was mute. So, um, yeah. So maybe we should all stop talking. Just stop talking to each other. Maybe that's the answer. And actually, that might not be a bad thing because we <laughs> uh, we talk so much on social
2: media. On oh, can we please get
0: rid of all social media? Uh,
2: it's a good tool, but it's a very, it is a tool, and a lot of people, you know, that can be a tool for building or destroying, and I feel like we're so busy, we're running rampant wild with, you know, fire here, and we just don't yeah. know how to use it, so. Well, it's know, more
0: fun s- to destroy and cause explosions and watch things right? burn. You know, it we're is. all those, we're all miniature pyromaniacs. Here, or jokers, so.
2: yeah, and watch the world burn, but um Give it to Michael know. Bay, yes. Some yeah. men just want to watch the
0: world burn. yes. And Michael Pay is going to get all the tickets <laughs> sold for it. So. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for Cinematic Rabbit Trails. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm David. I'm Adam. And I'm Jerry. Why am I last? Oh. Next um, time. Next time. Okay.
2: All right. We'll catch you guys next time. See you.